Welcome to the first Intuition Podcast. On this episode for National Apprenticeship Week, we are joined by two of our skills coaches. Hattie and Claire talk to us about how they conduct the programme, including study planner preparations, progress reviews and mentoring of students. We recorded the session in front of a live Zoom audience and if you'd like to join a future show, you can register for them. There'll be a link in our show notes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the first Intuition Student Forum podcast. My name is Ben Bullman. We've got a live group of students with us this evening, but I'm also joined by my good friend and colleague, David Malthouse. Hello, Dave. Hi, Ben. How are you this evening? Um, really good, my friend. Really good. I've had a day at home today. I've been in centres for the first two days this week, but Wednesday was my day working from home this week. I have had a, a Teams call this morning with a bit of a board strategy session. This afternoon, I have been on an online safety course um, looking at online resilience, hopefully some tips that we're going to bring out and, and start sharing with our learners. And is that being, being safe online, is that, Ben, rather than an online course about safety in general? <laughs> yes, I, I should clarify. Yeah, keeping yourself and others safe online and something, hopefully, I made some notes thinking this would probably be good content for a future podcast episode. So look and was out that an that. online course that you did or was it? It was an online course, yes. So it was, it was an online, online safety course. Yes. Not an online safety course. No, I was online learning about online safety. Right. OK, excellent stuff. Just a quick question for you, Ben, and this, this is going to sound quite random. But do you remember the last time that you actually properly laughed out loud? Laughed out loud. Oh, off the top of my head, I can't I can't think. Um, wh wh where is this heading, Dave? Can well, you remember your time? I, I can, and I will come to that in a second. But there was a news report this weekend that said half of people in Britain cannot remember the last time that they laughed out loud. And at, at first I thought, that's, that's quite sad that half of people can't remember the last time they laughed out loud. But then I looked into it. And do you know the health benefits of laughing? Go for it. Go for it. I know it's something to do with muscles and endorphins. Absolutely. There's, there's all the, the muscular stuff in terms of, you know, it causes your muscles to act in a certain way. So you absorb more oxygen, which gets various different organs working more quickly, helps to relieve, relieve stress. It's a form of escapism because you're not thinking about anything else while you're while you're laughing. It can actually help to boost your immune system. Okay? Having a good laugh. Um, now, I found that out because the news story I read was on Saturday and on the Friday night, the night before, I'd actually been to a comedy club. And it's the first time that I've been to a comedy club in absolute years. And I laughed the whole, I laughed for about three hours or however long it was at the Great Dunmo Comedy Club, which is a lesser known comedy club. I had a brilliant time. I took my son and um, he was laughing away the whole time, apart from when the jokes got a little bit rude in nature, when he kind of like half laughed half looked at me, we both looked a bit embarrassed and then laughed in opposite directions. But it was brilliant. And then this news story came out and I, I just thought, you know, first of all, that's really sad that people haven't had that kind of massive kind of belly laugh that I experienced the night before. So I was just like, and if you can't remember as well, Ben, that makes me sad for you. So I'm going to have to take you to a comedy club at some point so we can have a laugh together and you can experience the stress relief. 
Dave, Dave, Dave listeners, I, I do laugh. I laugh quite regularly, I think. Um, I'm just hard pushed to recount the last time I laughed. Maybe I will keep a laughter journal this week and note down every time I laugh out loud and then I'll, I'll bring it back to you next week. There, there's my, my homework. I'm going to do a bit of takeaway. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good then. Sounds good. Aside from comedy clubs, Dave, I understand you've had a really exciting week getting out there in the fine county of Essex, visiting lots of schools. As we're recording this, it is National Apprenticeship Week. I don't know if you just wanted to share what you and some of the team in Chelmsford have been up to this week. Well, we as a team are, are attempting to visit 20 schools and colleges across Essex um, for National Apprenticeship Week. We're going to do whatever, or we are doing whatever schools want us to do. So on Monday, I went into a school in Thurrock and I gave a talk to a group of year nine students about what apprenticeships look like and the idea about what they could do at the age of 16 or 18 or 21. Yesterday, I went to a college in Greys and talked to a group of students that were kind of 17 to 18 about options once they finish their A-levels or their BTECs or their T-levels. Today, I've been at Colchester Sixth Form doing a, a careers fair and um, being involved in a roundtable skills discussion. Tomorrow, I'm in your neck of the woods, Ben. I'm in Peterborough, and I'm going to the Regional Apprenticeship Ambassador Conference, of which I am an apprenticeship ambassador. So I'm going there. I'm taking two of our young apprentices with me. So it's going to be a, a day out from the office, and I'm going to try and encourage them to be um, apprentice ambassadors so they can spread the word of apprenticeships far, far and wide. And then I finish the week on Friday going to Westcliff-on-Sea to Westcliff High School for Boys, and I'm going to be giving two talks there, one to a group of year nines and one to a group of year 13s about apprenticeships and specifically accounting apprenticeships to the older group. So it's loads and loads of fun. I'm in my car loads, but yeah, loving getting out. And uh, if anyone follows me on LinkedIn, there are loads of pictures of me next to school signs to kind of show where I am in the county on that particular day. Fabulous. So I'm, I'm expecting to be reflecting back maybe in three, five years time where we get to see a graph and there's going to be a big spike of people that have gone into the accounting world or taken up apprenticeships on the back of, of your inspiration going into their school or college. Let's hope that's the case, eh? I, I, I just hope that people are making informed decisions, really. And I think it's so easy for, um, for, for students at schools to kind of fall into university positions purely because that's the only thing that they can see that they can do at the age of 18. And there's a whole raft of other options, but they're just not as well signposted. Uh, and that's something that we can shine a light on. And with the help of National Apprenticeship Week, because it's in the press, because people see it everywhere, we've got an opportunity to really be able to shout about those other options that, that many people don't know exist. You know, when you reach 18 or even when you reach 21 and you finish university and you've got your degree and you're thinking, where do I go next? Well, there is an apprenticeship route for you there. It's not just for people that leave school at 16. Brilliant, brilliant. And, and long may that education piece continue, the awareness of apprenticeships and the ability for young people or people of any age to make choices, I guess, is the important thing, isn't it? But you can only make choices or the right choices with all of the information to hand. Fabulous. So this is National Apprenticeship Week. We wanted to do something on the podcast forum around apprenticeships, but we do also appreciate that a lot of people listening to this are not on an apprenticeship scheme. A fair number of our students are, but not all students by any stretch. 
Some people maybe haven't got the opportunity for an apprenticeship, but something that myself and Dave have observed, along with lots of other people who have been at FI for quite a while, is the big difference the apprenticeship programmes have made to the students that are on them. And Dave really had an idea. We were chatting when he was in the car this week on his way to, to one of the schools he was going to. And he said, although not everybody can maybe be an apprentice, a lot of the stuff that the team do with the apprentices are things that everybody can learn from. So we're hoping this is going to be a, a bit of a session that shows some of the things that we do with the apprentices that every student can take something away from. And who better to talk about that program than two of our lovely apprenticeship skills coaches? So I, I put the message out. I was in the Cambridge office this week. And unfortunately for them, I guess, the apprenticeship team in Cambridge were having a big team meeting up on the top floor in the Cambridge office, which I popped in and, and saw everybody, mentioned this was the theme. And I was inundated with volunteers. But the two that actually came through um, to join us this evening are Hattie and Claire. So in time-honoured FI podcast tradition, I'm going to give them a moment each to introduce themselves. Shall we start with Hattie Adley? Good evening, Hattie. Thank you for joining us. Good evening, Ben. Thank you for having me. I think this is a really nice opportunity to talk about not only the apprenticeship programme and the benefits of that, but also the key things that other people studying commercially can take away and incorporate to further their development both professionally and through the qualification as well. Um, so I started in accountancy, I went into accountancy straight from school a bit by accident, it was meant to be a filler job before going off to university but I ended up staying there for, for three years and, and, and loved it and studied with first intuition did my AAT with first intuition and then sort of got to a point where I was deciding my next move and for me that was going to the training side of of accountancy rather than being an accountant um, and that's been a really nice opportunity to use examples from from the workplace and from my own studies and use that to further students development and things like that as well. So me and Dave obviously are predominantly centre-based and that, that's our experience as tutors. When you were studying your AAT, Hattie, how were you studying it with us? I was studying it by distance learning. Um, now I'll admit the opportunity of an apprenticeship was offered to me and I declined it. And looking back, I massively regret that because everyone on an apprenticeship overtook me quite rapidly. Um, but I studied mine distance learning. So got all my course material sent to me, had people like both of you, you know, recording lectures that I listened to and highlighted and sat my exams in the Cambridge Centre. Um, so that that was that and that worked very well for me in, you know, at, at the time. Brilliant. And I know a lot of people who join us live or listen to the podcast are doing distance learning. It's really great to have that um, background to, to your own study that maybe you can share some insights and tips as we go on this evening. But I'll move over to our second guest. So our second skills and development coach looking after our apprentices in Cambridge is Claire Killips. Good evening, Claire. Hello. Good evening all. Thank you for having me first and foremost. It's nice to go from being a listener to an active participant of the podcast, which is exciting. 
Um, so in terms of my background, um, so I've been a skills and development coach at First Intuition for just over a year now, not long celebrating my first year anniversary, which is very exciting. Um, it's really interesting hearing David talk about um, going to schools and having discussions with students about potential options for the future. Because um, I, um, as you alluded to, more or less opposite of Hattie, as soon as I finished school, I went straight into university. Um, it was quite drilled in that that was the, the route to go down. Um, and so there wasn't much looking for what other routes we could take. Um, so that's the route I went down. And um, it's really interesting now seeing learners, whether it's on an apprenticeship programme or doing independent study, um, seeing different transferable skills that are applicable for everyone across the board. So how they study, how they revise, and how they sort of progress forwards. Um, but it's really interesting and exciting to be part of this particular podcast, part of the National Apprenticeship Week and seeing the, the differences that I've seen from you know, studying university and also having the, the different routes to go down post school. And it's so lovely to hear that those conversations are happening in schools and with different warding bodies and organisations, that that is really being pushed out to, to younger um, prospective students. So, yeah, that, that's my backstory. Really excited to be here, though, and um, lots of um, good things coming up in terms of the, the world of apprenticeships which is lovely to hear about as well brilliant J just because I'm quite nosy and if I'm nosy I'm sure listeners will be what did you study at university Claire <laughs> so I studied pretty much probably as opposite as you can get from accountancy so I actually studied history um which I don't regret at all I absolutely loved it and I've, I think the key thing what I've been able to sort of transfer with into this role in my career and with other areas of study is the skills you pick up from that so with studying and you know I'm sure we'll come to talk about this later but having like a study plan to work towards or how I prepare for exams or how I seek support and that sort of thing is so great to learn and transfer to different areas of life whether it is you know when if doing an accountancy apprenticeship or if it's doing independent study um it's really nice to see those links even though it, that it couldn't be more opposite from um, accountancy <laughs> I personally think that historians make amazing accountants. Whenever I've I've um, I've taught someone who comes from a history background, the, the the thing that that really strikes me about historians is that they can look at an event like the outbreak of the Second World War, and they can talk about the ten different things that led to the led to the Second World War. It's not just one single event that caused; it's multiple things and how they interacted, and that resulted in the Second World War occurring. Now, what I want from a finance professional is not someone that says, "Oh, profits gone down." I want someone to say the profits reduced this year, but that's because of these five different factors. There's economic factors. There are also issues with production. There's issues with you know competition. There's issues with inflation, and all of those things collectively have caused us to be in that position. Historians are brilliant at telling those stories, whereas people that are maths grads look very much for here's the one thing that's caused it. Here's the single answer. So yeah, I, I don't think that his his the, the, the skill set historians have got is a million miles away from the skill set that I look for from a, a really good, particularly a management accountant. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's the transferable skills that you can apply. And everyone has different experiences where, and, you know, different routes of study and education and different work experiences. And it's about learning what you can take from that and apply to what you do within your current role and using that to celebrate successes and celebrate areas that maybe you want to develop going forward. And implementing that in your role so yeah it's, it's really lovely to hear about the everyone's journey everyone's different sort of tips and tricks that they use and adapt going forth to be able to further their own development 
Fabulous. Well, um, I'm really looking forward to, to having a bit of a deep dive in some of the specific things that we do with the apprentices and some of the things that we build into the programme. Um, Dave, I don't know if you wanted to, to start us off. You've been around even longer than I have. And I can remember a time where apprenticeships were quite a niche part of what we did. Mm -hmm. Increasingly, they are now a much bigger part of what we do. What, what have you seen as some of the things that have been developed on the back of the apprenticeship programmes and the, the current format of the standards of apprenticeships that are government approved? The, the big change really is that when I started training accountants, it was all about passing an exam and passing a set of exams and getting your letters after your name. And one of the things that I, I certainly noticed is that we would get lots and lots of people qualifying that were technically really, really good. But when they were asked to take the next step up the career ladder, they didn't have the skills that supported that. And that would be things like management skills or communication skills. And I think we've all probably got someone we know who maybe has been an accountant for a while, who is brilliant at doing tax returns but they don't have the interpersonal skills that you maybe would expect for someone in that position. And the switch with, with apprenticeships was apprenticeships are about your career and they're about your career development. So it, it's, it's not enough just to say I'm passing exams. It's got to be this is how I'm progressing through the career, either progressing on the career ladder or I, I'm developing the skills that I need ready to make the next step on the career ladder. So it's a more holistic qualification or more holistic yeah, qualification. And it does focus on your career. And that's the thing I really love about it. And I know that you and I have talked about this so many times before, that the, the thing that really excites us about our jobs is seeing people who we taught you know, 10 years ago now having fantastic careers, you know, leading finance teams, leading businesses, making crazy decisions, spending huge amounts of money for their businesses. You know, and, you know, we remember them learning debits and credits for the first time. That's what really makes it fulfilling. And the apprenticeship scheme gets more involved with actually helping those careers to flourish. 100% agree and, and something we're going to touch on in a moment is how to try and combine your study pathway with things that are happening at work or potential opportunities that you can hopefully unlock on your journey. But something else that I see as a big advantage of the apprenticeship structure is a bit of formality to your study plans. Patty mentioned it when she wasn't an apprentice. And she made the, the reference that people at her employer that were apprentices actually overtook her with the study. And I guess one of the reasons maybe for that is the apprenticeship has to have a formalised study planner that's drawn up right from the start. So I wonder if I go to, to you, Hattie, as you were the one that raised it. Um, how do you see the study planners that our apprentices have from day one? working to help their study their progression and ultimately them achieving their goals yeah absolutely so when a student signs up via an apprenticeship they accept a study planner now that covers their full full level so for you know level two three and four that's sort of a 14 month program and then you get into sort of the three-year programs with with SEMA, ACCA etc um but what that allows a student and their employer to do is have that foresight of how their plan's going to go. It helps them to see, OK, right, so I've got, you know, 
I've got business tax this quarter, for example, and then I'm starting financial statements. And those course dates start on the 1st of April, which means I want to have business tax sat by that date. So it's not in my mind before before that point. And it's a really nice opportunity to check in. And when we have those study planners, it doesn't mean if you don't stick to them, that's it. You know, no choice. They're there to be flexible, but they, you know, keep you accountable. They keep you on track. Um, you know, we're, we're very flexible in the way, you know, if you've got something coming up over, you know, a, a month or a period of time, or you know that January is particularly hard and, and things like that, we we make allowances for that and and bring things forward, push things back. But it means that at any one time, a student and their employer know exactly what they're studying, what's next, what they, you know, and, and and sort of tick them off the list as they go down and it's really nice as a as a coach speaking to to a student and saying right tax process for business done great well done you know now we're on to the next one um and it's that yeah for me it's that accountability thing I ended up uh, at work I used to tell my colleague right I'm studying you know I'm studying indirect tax I'm going to sit this exam by the 30th of March you need to hold me to that and once I started doing that instead of just picking things up and putting them down again I managed to progress so much quicker because each morning she'd be saying to me have you booked your exam or how are you doing with that um, and I think something that we can learn from the effectiveness of those study planners is that you know sharing your journey with whether that's with a partner a manager a colleague a friend you know, write down the dates at the front of the first intuition books. There's a nice study plan in there where you say, you know, the date you want to have completed the chapter by. Be realistic with that, but also plan for your next modules, not just that one module, you know, OK, when do I want to be finished? How am I going to get there? Is that reasonable? And I think that's, you know, a hugely effective part of, of apprenticeships. And I think that's something that we hear as feedback that students really like. Um, but there's definitely elements of that that can be, you know, applied to people doing distance learning or, or commercially. Thank you, Hattie. So, <laughs> so the study planner is a formalised document. It's actually it fully documented. It can be amended, as all good study planners will be, because things crop up, particularly on the longer programmes that are three years long. But I think that the biggest thing is it's communicated three ways, isn't it? That the student knows we know and also it's communicated with their employer so that the team the people they work with day to day are also aware dave i know you've had experience of putting study planners together for apprentices at the start and sharing them with employers what what sorts of things do you observe most about the employer relationship probably well it's, i mean i think it's really interesting the um the, the the study plan is something that i think we've talked about how, how many times I don't know it's like how to plan your studies and and I think how it's described there in terms of if you've got your your big picture this is my overall objective whether it's through an apprenticeship or whether it is this is just I, I want to achieve my AAT qualification and I map out that's going to take me three years to complete it from level two into three into four and that's that's your planning and saying that's what I want to achieve that's a massive massive goal and it's really really hard 
to look at it and say, that's miles away. So we break it down into year one, year two, year three. And then within that, you break it into each individual unit. So gradually you're making it into small plans and then you're almost breaking that down into, right, I'm looking at one unit, I've got eight weeks to start it, finish it, sit the exam. So how am I gonna break those eight weeks down? And it's, you know, the apprentices have, have got the benefit of having a lovely coach that works with them to put that together. But from the point of view of, um, of, a, of a student that's not an apprentice, it is a really, really good way to make sure that you are managing your studies effectively and you're going to achieve those overall aims and overall goals. Excellent. So that's the first thing, the study planner from day one, but keeps coming back to revisit, revisit, revisit. The next thing we do on the apprenticeship programme is have regular progress reviews with the apprentice. Um, Claire has been branded the queen of the progress review. So I'm gonna come to Claire on this one. Claire, can you just talk us through what is a progress review, how regularly they happen, and then see if we can break that down into some things that every student could potentially look to do whilst they are on their study programme? Of course, yeah, absolutely. So progress reviews, we have these with our apprentices. We book them in, it, essentially it's a review of their progress on the apprenticeship so far. We look at how they're getting on with their exams, how they're doing with apprenticeship requirements, how they are progressing at work. Um, we tend to book them in, generally it's, it varies from about eight to 12 weeks. So kind of on average around about 10 weeks is what we try to aim for. So it just gives students that ability to be able to check in with us, to be able to check in with themselves and their progress. Um, but also to be able to check in with managers. It's, it's a really key and useful check-in for us to have that three-way relationship so everyone is on board and supporting the apprentice with their studies. Um, with those as well, we also plan them in advance. So generally, we like to book the next two in advance. Um, at the moment, we're looking at getting them booked in for July time, which feels really odd to say when it's still very dark in the evenings and minus two outside this morning. Um, but it gives that sense of accountability as well, something to work towards, something to check in with. And I think that's key with, um, as we're saying about the structure of the apprenticeships and or programmes, study plans, whilst having that end goal to work towards, it's important we break that down. So that's what the progress reviews are for. Um, now, in terms of what's covered within them, I said we do a check in on how they're actually progressing, but we look back at what they've been doing. So we talk about what they've been doing with their exams, how they've been getting on with studying. We talk about any skills days they might have in centre. We talk about any opportunities or development at work or areas they may have been struggling with. Um, with that, we then also do the flip side. So we look at what's coming up. So again, what study they've got coming up, um, what particular skills and behaviours they want to develop over the next couple of months. And that way we can work with the students and their manager to be able to look at opportunities where they can further their own development while celebrating their successes as well. Um, and that's really key, having that check-in point to recognise where you're developing, whilst also being able to look for and say, OK, I've developed, let's say, communication. I did a presentation one time and I felt that was really good, but it's something I want to work on more. So, OK, how can we build on that? Let's talk to the manager. Are there any opportunities for furthering communication going forward? Can they host some more meetings? Can they take an active role with talking with this client on this particular set of accounts? It's about creating and talking about those opportunities going forwards. 
Um, and that's where that key freeway relationship is so, so important. So it's opening those conversations and talking with your managers or your colleagues, again, whether this is on the apprenticeship or not, um, opening up those lines of support for you to be able to further your own development. Um, and what we like to round up on as well is setting what we call smart targets. So these are, as Pat alluded to earlier, realistic targets for people to be able to work towards. So again, whilst we're working towards that end goal in the long term, in the short term, we break down things for people to work towards. So whether that's sitting there an exam by a certain date, whether it's submitting a, a written task by another date, it keeps things ticking over. It keeps things on track. So you are working towards that end goal. So it's, again, having that structure, having that check-in, making sure you are recognising your development so far, whilst also setting in those smaller targets to work towards as well, so you can overall work towards your end point, whatever that may be. So I, I see so many positives coming out of the progress reviews that are conducted. Um, First thing I wanted to maybe go into a bit more detail of something I would see as your role almost as a facilitator, trying to encourage the student and their employer and work colleagues to both understand what's going on either side. Um, and, and I am incredibly proud of the way that you guys do that. I'm always blown away when I'm asked to join because I genuinely believe the people that are working with the apprentice want to know about what they're doing they want to be as encouraging and supporting as possible but from that perspective they can really only do it if they understand what is currently going on with the student and and I personally don't think without the apprenticeship progress reviews the students would be as open as honest and, and talk to their employer about what's going on Hattie from from that perspective what, what do you kind of see by way of opening up those conversations? I was frantically nodding my head there, hoping that you would you'd come to me. Um, that for me is one of the key points. You know, we see we see conversations happen that wouldn't happen otherwise. I think we get sucked up into this idea that you you talk about progress and you talk about opportunities in a one year annual, you know, PDR or, or whatever it is actually by sitting down with your manager and saying you know I think that I did xyz really really well I feel like I'm comfortable with those tasks now and I'm really ready to move on to something more challenging or a new opportunity is really important because it furthers your own development but also for apprentices and, and for students and for employees in general it's so rewarding to have someone else remind you of the good things I think it's very easy to look back at the last three months and think not much has happened we survived Christmas we survived January tax we survived this whereas actually you know we get those opportunities where managers will say you did this really really well or you did that independently for the first time um as as Englishmen, um, I don't think we're always the best at blowing our own trumpet and, and actually shouting about our successes. And we need that opportunity for people to say, do you know what, you did a really good job with a tricky client there, or you actually handled that situation really well. Um, so it works both ways. The employer knows where the student wants to go. They know the challenges they're facing. And equally, it gives students that opportunity to say, think, actually, I'm doing quite well here, or, you know, they're quite pleased with me. So I think by breaking down those sort of annual reviews into 
quarterly reviews can be a really nice opportunity for that regular check-in and it, and it sparks a lot of conversations that probably just wouldn't happen otherwise you know how often do you sit down with your manager and say what's got what have I done well over the last couple of months or what can I do that's new for the next few months um so it facilitates that but I think there's there's key elements there that everyone can do you know in the workplace to just sort of have that open dialogue with managers because it works for them and it benefits you so it's seeing the benefit of, of, of that as a whole the importance of that regular feedback I think is is vital and I think without it it can be um less structured maybe potentially varies um all employees are different but even within the same employer different line managers maybe are different and it just gives that bit more structure to have a regular catch-up to get some regular feedback um I also think it's a space for some awkward conversations sometimes and, and you guys can really support apprentices to have those tougher conversations or for the employer to have their voice heard it is a two-way street isn't it and, and quite often the employer will say as much as we want to support you with the exam, next month is going to be particularly challenging for our team. We've got a person off or we've got a really important project we're working on, a really tight deadline. And just having that open, honest discussion about, so is study going to be um, potentially achievable within the timeframes we're talking about? On the flip side, the students can make them aware, look, I'm planning to sit the exam here. So I'm going to be needing some more time or I'm going to be slightly distracted during those weeks in the run up to it. Mm. Dave, your experience, have you had the benefit of sitting in on some of the progress reviews that, that your team in, in Chelmsford do? I have. And I've, I've just been listening to, to the kind of conversation and you know, the kind of the question that I just think about. And I think this is something really that, that you might have some ideas on, Ben, is. If I'm not an apprentice or, you know, and I'm, and I'm working for, for, for a business and I might be working in the accounts department, I might work for a small practice, I, I could be one of our many lovely distance learning students who are, who are studying for their accountancy qualification because they want to get the skills to allow them to get their first role in finance. Um, you know, what kind of ideas would you have if you're in one of those positions about how you could, because what we're really talking about is having kind of a, a mentor that, that's there to talk to, that's there to help you recognise where you've gone. How, how can you kind of get that mentoring experience if you're not an apprentice? Um, one thing for certain, it's probably not going to come to you. Um, it, it might do, but that would be more by, by luck or coincidence. I think you, you need to genuinely find somebody that wants to do it. Um, that's very important actually um making sure you find somebody that trusts you and you trust them because there does need to be those open honest conversations and you might at times want to go to somebody that's going to tell you what you want to hear rather than what you need to hear but actually you need someone that is going to stand up and be firm and Hattie and Claire, for the benefit of the listeners, are both smiling. I'm sure you've had to be firm with students at times, as well as be sympathetic and be empathetic. And it's a real, a real balancing act, isn't it? Um, I suppose that the first thought would be, in an ideal world, it would be somebody within your team, a, a colleague, a line manager, um, 
in the best possible way, maybe somebody that appreciates what it's like to be a studier as well. Um, we see within the, the firms and businesses that we work with quite often, people are allocated as mentors who are maybe a year post-qualification that can remember back and understand some of the challenges that the students are facing. Dave, wh where would you go to find a mentor? Uh, I think well, that's something that one of our guests talked about when, when you were away kind of two weeks ago, they, and they said that when you're looking at your at your first role or when you look at your next role and you look at the jobs you've got, it's really important to make sure you're choosing the right boss, the right manager, not necessarily going after the most money, but saying, well, this is the boss that's going to elevate me and support me in my career development. I think it is really important, as you say, to choose the right person. You're absolutely right. You may well have to ask the question. Now, I, I would say if you've chosen someone that you look up to, that you think has got all the qualities required to be a good mentor, I'll guarantee if they've got those qualities, they will be so flattered that you ask them. You know, if you're asking someone and they say, oh, no, too, I'm not, I'm too busy. There's no way I want to do that. You probably haven't picked someone that's got the right kind of qualities. I think where it's really challenging is where people are studying on their own and they, they don't have the work environment there to support them. They may not be at work. They might be, um, you know, trying to upskill in order to get a job. And that's where I think that it can be quite tough. And I, I know there's been a few comments that people have made where, you know, they've said, I really struggle to be able to um, kind of get motivated and work because of things that are going on in my personal life in terms of, you know, in my household with all of the other all of the other balls that I'm juggling with family and with friends and those things. I think sometimes it's a case of, well, who is the person that you know that is able to support you and help to elevate you? Even if they don't know about accountancy, who is going to be interested in your study journey and is going to be the person that when you're stressing about that indirect tax exam that's coming up in two weeks' time and you don't know how you're ever going to get there, who's the person that you can pick up the phone to and they're going to say, Remember three months ago when you took that costing paper and you thought it was the hardest thing on earth, but you got through and you sat the exam and you passed. You want that's the person that you want to lift you up. So choose the people that you're going to ask to help support you really carefully. Um, and I've been in really uncomfortable positions where I've spoken to young people at schools and careers events where the young person's been very, really, really keen on, on learning a new skill. And they've actually been held back by their parents who said, oh, that's lots of exams. You'll never be able to do that. Or, oh, you don't like doing studying in your own time. So you'll never be able to achieve that. And I just can't, I'm sitting there get fuming saying you're, you're holding someone back from doing something that they seem to be really, really keen on. So it, and it can be quite challenging to find that person. But it, yeah, I mean, the other thing then is come on here every Wednesday come on here at six o'clock, we record it live, it was always 15, 20 minutes beforehand, you know, Ben and I will help be your mentor, Ben and I will be the person that you can say, oh, I'm really finding this hard, I don't know how to do that SWOT analysis, and you know, Ben, you even know what SWOT stands for, so you're an amazing person to be a mentor. Exactly, and I think it's somebody that's not necessarily going to be able to fix all your problems, I don't I don't think those people exist. And actually, I'm not sure that is the best solution in the longer term. It's it's somebody that will listen, that will remind you of why you're doing things, how you've done things in the past. And, and I guess going back to Hattie and Claire, that's a big part of, of your role. What, what makes 
a great skills coach as you two both are, as well as a number of other people within FI. Um, what, what, what do you think about the, the role of a mentor, Hattie, maybe you? I think it's it's so important. And, you know, our our role isn't just to nag someone to sit their exam or, or upload a task or, or something like that. It's there to listen to the challenges that they're facing at work and find the solutions. Because when you're in it, it's very stressful. You're working full time, you're studying in the evenings, you've got a family and, and things like that. And it all just sort of feels a bit overwhelming. Whereas when you just have that person that's a bit set aside from that, they can help you break it down. They can help you put in smaller targets. They can have, you know, it's that opportunity to talk things through, to have that that vent and then say, okay, let's make a plan and go ahead. Um, and you have someone who's going to assure you that you can do it. You know, someone that is going to tell you, you've done it before, you'll do it again. This is how we'll get there. Um, and to then share your success, I think, as Claire said earlier, that is the biggest thing. You know, shout about your successes. You know, you smashed your exam. Amazing. You passed it. Next one. Um, and, you know, find the people that are going to be really happy for you, whether that's internally at work, whether that's colleagues, whether that's people that you've met in centre that you, you, you've kept in touch with or sort of friends, family and things like that. Claire, you're nodding along. Any any perspective that you bring to that mentoring element of your role? I mean, mostly echoing Hattie, really. I think it's it's so nice to have an outlet. So whether it is someone at work, whether it is someone at home, a friend or a family member, just to sometimes for them to assure you, if you are struggling with something, just to be able to say that, you know, really I'm not looking forward to this exam. I've spoken with plenty of students who have that and they, you know, naturally exams aren't always the most loveliest thing to look forward to um but you know it can be quite a lot and I think sometimes studying it can be quite lonely as well because you are studying it independently especially with some of our, our distance learners so it is so key to reach out to people where you can and know that people are out there to support you but as you know we spoke about you know finding those people that will support you that will celebrate your successes that will hear what areas you may be struggling with and things that they can help support with or make suggestions or help implement opportunities to further your growth. Um, because that's where it all centres back to is to what works for you, what's going to help you develop. Um, and so you're able to see that development as well. Um, ultimately, it's, it's recognising your own potential um, and having that outlet as and when you need it sometimes just for them to be able to help put things in perspective and help guide you along that process. Perfect advice. And it's seeing the the big picture piece as well sometimes, isn't it? You talked about putting things in perspective and and things build up and, and small things do become big things psychologically for people. They become big barriers, big reasons why they can't go on. They don't want to go on. And actually sometimes taking a step back and looking at how far people have come um sharing experiences um, and not, not to break confidentiality but you guys deal with lots of students so just having somebody to say you do understand you're not the only student that will be feeling like this it's quite a common way for people to feel I think just another element of reassurance that although they might feel on their own what they're experiencing is by no means unique to them there are other people who have had these problems in the past and overcome them there are other people that are having the problems now and we're working with them to overcome them. Um, Dave, I'm coming back to you because I'm conscious time is, is ticking on as it always does. 
is there anything else that you wanted to kind of reflect on this evening? <laughs> you actually used the word that I, I love to talk about, and it's, it is that word reflection. It's something that I know we always urge all of our apprentices to do on a regular basis and I always when I'm talking to potential apprentices I say it should be at least a weekly a weekly routine that you get into where you do reflect on what have I learned have I developed over the last week what new things have I done what could I do better um, and just you know obviously 15 to 20 minutes you know on a Friday afternoon just reflect on on the things that happened over the last week and I actually was um, listening to a podcast today, not this one, and there was a, a an accountant on it who'd been an accountant for, for a good number of years, and she said that um, that they actually, at their work, have got, they use Slack, and they have a, a Slack channel, which is their wins channel, where they just talk about things that have gone well for them that week, okay? and you know, the thing that I really like about it is just the idea of going into that wins channel on a Friday and just seeing a list of all of your colleagues, and you know, this is... No, I did this tax return brilliantly or, you know, I was really happy because I turned around a set of accounts quicker than I normally have and there were no errors on it. And I think if everyone did that and reflected on how they've developed, you get that picture of, of how far you've come in a relatively short space of time. So for me, you know, if I could, if I could give one gift to anyone that, that wasn't studying through an apprenticeship, it would be spend some time on that active reflection of what how have I developed over the last, and I think every seven days would be lovely. Really, really good advice. And actually something that, that I was gonna end with, I said I'd been on a board strategy session earlier this morning, and we were encouraged as, as board members to reflect and our opening exercise got us to put things into four boxes and something I really enjoyed doing and thought I need to keep doing this was to think about these four things so I'm going to leave you with these four for this evening um, whether you're doing this weekly whether you're doing it monthly whether you're doing it 12 weekly like a progress review one what have I achieved going back to Dave's achievements and all of those positive things so that's the first thing to reflect on what have I achieved second thing what things have stayed on my to-do list? So acknowledging that we have a to-do list and not everything's going to get ticked off today, this week, this month. What's still there, still important, but something I haven't completed yet or I haven't got round to doing. So that's number two, what's still on my to-do list. Number three, what got in the way? What got in the way to me achieving the things I wanted to achieve? Um, and not just a lack of time. You need to then go into the detail of well, what caused the lack of time. Was it me not allocating the time correctly? Was things unexpectedly cropping up? Was there things outside of my study or was there things outside of my work? And finally, what I need to change or improve for the period ahead. What am I going to do differently next week or what am I going to do differently next month? And I found that a really positive exercise. I know a number of the other board members that were doing it with us this morning also felt that a positive exercise. And I guess, guys, it's very similar to the, the concept of the, the progress review. And I know you've got a structured form and uh, a, a way to do it, but I would imagine it, it's quite a similar mindset. Nods from both of you. Right, well, it's gone seven o'clock. Um, I'm not going to keep us beyond time this evening. I'm just going to say thank you to Hattie. Thank you to Claire. I hope you've both enjoyed coming on. Absolutely. Thank you for having us.
Yes, absolutely. Thank you very much. It's been really insightful to hear both of your perspectives as well. So thank you very much and for everyone getting engaged and involved as well. And I'm, I'm sure next time I ask, you guys will be first to volunteer. But um, <laughs> other people in the team can also come and join us. Um, thank you all for attending this evening and your questions and your support for each other in the chat box. Again, that doesn't get released with the podcast. But for those of you that are here live, You'll have seen some really positive words in the chat box of encouragement and support for each other, which I love to read. Dave, I'm going to hand over to you for our closing thoughts and sign out for this evening. Thanks for that, Ben. And thank you for everyone who has downloaded this podcast, wherever you're listening, whether you are running, walking, or as I always say, whether you're soaking in the bath and listening to Ben and I and our guests talking, it's always appreciated. If you get a chance, could you please share this podcast with anyone you think may be interested? So whether it's colleagues, whether it's friends, whether it's that that Facebook group that you're in where you think that people in that group would, would benefit from anything that we've got to say, we would really, really appreciate it. If you do have a little bit longer, if you could leave a review, it's always much appreciated. Ben and I love to hear kind of your feedback. And if you have got ideas for future shows, feel free to drop Ben or I a, a, a note and we are sure to act on it because we're always looking for ideas and we love drawing inspiration from everything that you, the listener, have got to say. So thank you so much for downloading. We will see you next week and stay safe, everyone.